areas of life that we struggle with. So the first verse we looked at last week, the main verse for the whole book is, is uh, chapter 1, verse 7, where it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So in Proverbs, you're going to see there's two paths someone can take. There's the way of the wise one, and there's the way of the fool. There's the way of wisdom, and there's the way of foolishness. Now, I know as soon as we start talking about those kinds of topics, what happens in your mind is you start to roll your eyes. You're like, this whole book is going to sound like my parents just yelling at me, right? This whole book is just going to sound like a bunch of, here, do this, don't do this, be wise, don't be a fool, be wise, right? And you're just going to roll your eyes and be like, I'm over it, I'm done with it, and that sort of thing. Well, that will be your reaction, if you are someone who doesn't have a fear of the Lord. That will be your reaction if you are someone that has not submitted your life to Christ yet. That will be... So if you have that reaction, let me just tell you that it's, an, it's indicative of a bigger problem that you don't have a life surrendered yet to Jesus, most likely, right? There are plenty of Christians that are still rebels. They're just being sanctified. They're still trying to grow, Right? But for the most part, I'm saying that might be a sign to you that you need to, to pay attention. Maybe you need to listen to what's being said in Proverbs. So um, I want to start things off with a debate, okay? So we're going to read this quote. This is said by an anonymous high school student, not here, but somewhere far away. And uh, go to the next slide. The next slide. Not that slide. The next slide. There we go. Um, this is a quote I want to read to you, and you're going to debate about this quote after we read it. This person says, teens reach a point where they will disregard what their parents say and will do what they want to do. Parents try to protect us because they think we are too young to make big decisions on our own. Next slide. I firmly believe that you have to make your own decisions about things and learn from your own experiences to ever truly learn and grow. There's no way that I would feel the way I do about smoking, drinking, dating other relationships if it hadn't been for my own experiences. So here's your question. Just one question starting off. Just number question number one. Here's the question. This student says that we learn more from experience than we do from parents. Do you agree or disagree with this statement? And why or why not? And be honest, people. Be honest. Discuss. Okay, before we move on, uh, who's got my discussion sheets? I passed this out a while ago. Who's got a stack of them over here? Or who's got, like, the, the leftovers? Because I've got some guys over here that need a copy. Otherwise, they're just going to sit there and eat cereal and talk about sports and stuff. You can grab a copy for them. That's true. Hey, why don't you guys move over here? Hey, Zach. Why don't you guys join the guys over here? Just pull a chair over. Come on over. Make it one big happy family. Come on over. All right, look at verse, look at verse 8 in chapter 1. Verse 8 in chapter 1. Before I read, though, I want to know how many of you would say, honestly, that you think 
this guy is right that you learn more from experience than from parents? Raise your hand. You people are liars. You're all liars. You really guys don't, you, you disagree. Okay, so how many of you say you believe the other way, that more from parents than experience? And a whole bunch of people that have no idea. <laughs> all right. So there's like three that say they agree with them and like ten that say they disagree with them. Everyone else is like, you're all like politicians, man. You don't take a stand on anything. Okay? All right, so let me just say this. Listen up. Shh. I understand, I understand why this guy would say that statement. I mean, I felt the same way when I was um, a teenager. I understand why he would feel that way. Mom, Dad, just let me make my own decisions. I mean, if it's going to be a mistake, then I'm going to own my mistake, right? That's how you feel about life. But here's the, here's the deal, though. Listen. Listen up. Shh. Here's the deal. If that was completely true... If you really could learn more from experience than from your parents or from other people that God has placed in authority over you, then we can really throw out the whole book of Proverbs, right? Because this whole book is someone, this is God speaking through someone, showing us this is how you do life. This is what life is about. This is how you fear God. This is how you exemplify wisdom. And so if what this young guy is saying is true, then we can really take the whole book of Proverbs and throw it out the window. We have nothing to glean from that, do we, if what he is saying is true. So you see where I stand on the issue, but I can still empathize, I can still sympathize with his dilemma, right? I know many of you are in that place today. Look at verse 8 of Proverbs chapter 1. It says, My child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. What you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. This book is like a dad sitting his kids down and saying, okay, let, me, let me just show you how life works. Let me just show you what I've learned through many mistakes. Let me just tell you how, what it means to fear God. And let me show you how that plays itself out in life. Let me just show you how life operates, what the rules of life are, okay? This is a father sitting his kids down and saying, let me, just, let me show you great wisdom. And so as I read and prayed this week and thinking about how to present this to you, I started to think about the question, I wonder how many people in this room have a dad like that? I wonder how many people in this room actually have a dad that, first of all, that you respect, one that you love, one that is following Jesus and is an example of the kind of Christian that you want to become. Now, I'm not bashing parents this morning at all, okay? But all I can do is talk about what I see in reality as a youth pastor. The question I want you to think about is how many of us in this room can say, you have a dad that wants to instill great wisdom in you? Do you have a dad that wants to show you how to love Christ, follow Christ, and wants to instill great wisdom in you? And again, I look at my own family and I don't like talking about my family up here, my, my parents and my brothers and so on. But I'm going to share a bit with you this morning because I feel like it's very relevant to this conversation. And I love my dad. My parents are still married, which I praise God for. Um, but my dad, he's just always been a very, just very immature Christian, if he is a Christian at all. And it's, it's hard for me to watch at times just, just how he lives his life. He's 64 years old. And I've not seen a lot of maturity. I've not seen a lot of wisdom throughout his life. I love my dad. I love my dad, but at the same time, I can't help but see 
that he hasn't instilled much wisdom in me. He's, there's just been kind of a, a, a practical relationship there. Like, if, if we talk on the phone now, it's basically about politics, the weather, or history. It's one of those three things. I can't recall one conversation where he sat me down and said, okay, I love you, son. Let me show you how life works. Let me show you, talk about relationships. Let me talk to you about what it means to fear God. I mean, that, that just never happened. It never happened. And it still doesn't to this day. And so I imagine the numbers are pretty high in this room that if you're sitting here this morning, you, many could say, you know, yeah, I haven't had that with my parents. I haven't had that. Or maybe you have had some of that, but the tone and the way they've gone about it might be more just antagonistic or, you know, you're not, you're not feeling the love, so to speak, as they guide you through life. And, and being a parent is difficult. I, I'm starting out on that path right now. I can attest to that. But here's the reality. Many, many dads are absent. If not physically, they are absent emotionally. Many dads can be that way, right? And, and so as I read this week, I began to, to think and pray about how many of us are in that situation. And here's, here's a father who loves his kids enough to give them great wisdom. Here's a dad who wants to instill great wisdom in his kids. And so in our culture today, we've set the standards so low that any father who doesn't cheat on his wife or beat the kids is considered a good dad, right? That, that's the standard today. It's if you don't do these two things and you're a good father. But Proverbs shows us that a good dad is someone who loves Jesus, follows Jesus, wants to introduce his kids to Jesus, and also one who instills great wisdom in their kids. And so I want to say to you this morning that if you have a dad like that, if you have a mom like that, be thankful. Be grateful that God gave you parents like that. They're going to make mistakes, but be thankful that as far as the whole goes, that they want to see the fear of God and wisdom instilled in you. Be thankful for that if you have that. Because there are plenty of people in this room that don't have it, and they're starving for that. They're starving for it. So be thankful if, if that is you. But if you don't have a dad like that, be thankful for Proverbs. Be, be thankful that God gave us a book in Proverbs, 30-some chapters, 31 chapters, that we get to pick through and digest and think about and ponder because this, this is God's grace to us. This is God showing us this is how life works. If you don't have parents like that, I want you to know this morning that God is your real father. People always say, oh, that's my real dad. That's my stepdad. Well, your real dad, your real father is God. Your real father is God, God the Father. And he's given us this book out of his grace for us to learn wisdom, for us to see what it means to fear him. And look at verse 9. It says, what you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. What he's saying in verse 9 is that look how valuable this wisdom is. Look how important, look how splendid this wisdom is that I want to instill in you. This is like jewelry, right? This is not a burden to be worn on your shoulders. This is a blessing to be worn. Look at how valuable this is. Look at verse 10. He says, 
this is where it gets funny because he's trying to create a scenario like, here, son, if this happens, here's what you should do. So read this in verse 10. I'm just imagining this happening in your culture today. So verse 10, my child, if sinners entice you, turn your back on them. Verse 11, they might say, come and join us. Let's hide and kill someone just for fun. Let's ambush the innocent. What in the world is he talking about, right? That happens every day after lunch, does it not, right, in your school? Verse 12, let's swallow them alive like the grave. Let's swallow them whole like those who go down to the pit of death. Next slide. Think of the great things we'll get. We'll fill our houses with all the stuff we'll take. Come, throw in your lot with us, and we'll all share the loot. Right? Happens every day at school, does it not? Someone trying to tempt you towards, uh, towards sin, right? I just love that phrase. Let us hide and kill someone. Just for fun, right? Like, what in the world? Right? So, so here's the deal, though. What is he talking about? This sounds like almost like a, an ancient gang or the mafia, right? And, uh, but here's the deal. In that day, street violence was more common. So, I mean, here's the deal. Like, back then, they didn't have the choice of drugs that you all have today. They didn't have pornography, per se. They didn't have other forms of temptation. So maybe their temptation was just violence, right? And that was kind of the sin of the day. Like, let's, be, let's go kill someone just for fun, right? And so... That might be their struggle in that day. We're going to show how this still relates to you. Not the murder part necessarily, but um, how we do stupid things just for fun, right? You used that phrase before. We did it. Why'd you do that? Just for fun, right? And, and so here's what happens to most of us. When you're in a group of your friends, what happens is you would think that when you're by yourself that you'd be the dumbest when you're by yourself, and when you're in a group, you'd all be really, really smart together, right? But what happens is the exact opposite. When you're by yourself, you're like, yeah, that sounds like a dumb idea. Whenever you're together, it's like everything sounds like a good idea, right? Everything's just, let's just do it for fun. Let's just, let's go kill someone just for fun, right? And so, so what happens is this group think takes over, and you're at the police station downtown and someone's like why did you do that and you're like it sounded like fun it was just murder for fun right and so what happens in groups that's what happens that's just group dynamics and here's what's going on there i think the reason why that happens is because you want a story to tell right you want a story to tell so no one ever tells stories like remember the time that we we're home by curfew, and we got home right at 11.30, and I walked in and brushed my teeth and went straight to bed. Remember that? That was awesome. Like, no one ever does that. I mean, people tell the stories, remember the time your dad said curfew was 12, and we were like, we don't care. We're sneaking out after it. We're going to go murder someone just for fun, right? And so this is how people operate. This is how we think. Okay, so as you think to yourself, I might not struggle with that murder. Let's just kind of fill in the blank here on what sin this might be. Okay, here's the deal. You and I long for relationship and community, and we will do anything to get it, right? 
If it means your friends are doing this, if you don't join in that, you're going to be out looking in. You're not going to be part of that group anymore if you don't do this, right? And so for many of you, your biggest struggle is acceptance, and you will do anything to get that. You'll do anything. And this is the name, the thing that's, that's being talked about in this part of this passage. Look at verse 15. He says, My child, don't go along with them. Stay far away from their paths. This verse shows us that people rarely fall into great sin randomly. It's usually a path that they're on. It's usually a long history, a pathway, right? They're on this path for a while. So let's say, for example, um, whenever someone who is, um, I even hate to discuss this because it's kind of disgusting, but this guy that came out in the news with Penn State the last couple of weeks, you guys have heard that story, I'm sure. I'm not going to report the details on that, but this guy, Jerry Sandusky, did some horrific things sexually, right? And I guarantee you, you've heard part of the story on the news, but I guarantee you that is just the tip of the iceberg with this guy. I guarantee you if you saw his computer at home and saw how much pornography is on that computer, it would just blow your mind. I guarantee you, okay? Because here's the deal with sin. Very few people end up sinning just randomly in a really grave and heinous way. Most of the time, it's, it's this pathway you're on. It starts out with pornography. It starts out with the next step and the next step and the next step. And then finally one day, your whole life just blows up. Just blows up. This is how sin works. So this verse tells us that sin is never just, sin is rarely just an event. It's a pathway that you are walking down. And some of you guys in this room, in other ways, are walking down certain pathways. You're walking down certain pathways into sin. And right now, things are going fine for you. But one day, your life is going to blow up. One day, your life is just going to explode in ways that you can't even imagine. Sin is not just an event. It is a pathway that you set your life on. Look at verse 16. It says, they rush to commit evil deeds. They hurry to commit murder. If a bird sees a trap being set, it knows to stay away. But these people set an ambush for themselves. They are trying to get themselves killed. Such is the fate of all who are greedy for money. It robs them of life. And what he's saying here, what he's saying here is that sin is our attempt at gain. Go to the next slide here. Sin is our attempt at gain, but it leads to great loss. Sin, whenever you sin, you and I sin, we are always looking to add something to our life that we think is missing. And so sin is always an attempt at gain, but it leads always to great loss, right? And so here's, here's the problem, though. At your age, you don't see the great loss. The people that you see in your life that are living certain ways right now, all you see is the gain. All you see with your friends is the gain, the thing that they're getting as they go down that pathway of sin. You don't see the loss that happens 10, 20 years from now. All you see is the gain. That's all you see. And so Solomon is pleading with his son, I have seen the future, and I wish I could show it to you. I have seen where this thing leads. Let let me just show you a picture of where this stuff leads. I've got uh, two older brothers, and I've shared this before, and I'll share this just briefly, but 
the, the middle brother, I'm the youngest of three, the middle brother, um, I love him deeply. He's my brother. Um, but his, his life has kind of had this just pathway towards sin. I mean, he's a person that would say he's a Christian or he, he would say he may maybe believe certain things at one point. I'm not sure where he stands today. I'm not even sure if he, would, if he knows where he stands today with his faith. But his, his, his life from very early age just had deception. He was always a deceptive person. Got into the teen years, started looking at pornography. And then he started working at a, a restaurant. Got involved sexually with someone at that, uh, at that job. Then he gets to college, starts dating some people, and still dealing with pornography, just on this pathway towards destruction. He finally meets his wife. He marries her, and they have a kid together. He's in medical school. And about halfway through his residency program, his life just blows up because he was cheating with someone at work while his wife was pregnant with their first child. And so his life just blew up. I mean, everything just hit, right? And so I I literally just get depressed. They're divorced now. I literally get depressed just thinking about his life. I mean, he wakes up alone. As I think about when I get in the morning, my son runs down and he's, you know, Daddy, Daddy, turn me on some cartoons. That's how he, he's, turn me on some cartoons. Like, all right, all right, we'll do that, all right? Um, but he's just one of those, he's just a kid that he, he loves life and he's, he's always a part of our lives, obviously. He's there. I don't, he never leaves, right? I don't have to leave him. But my but my brother, he, he wakes up in a house alone. He eats breakfast alone. He goes to work. He comes home to an empty house. He eats dinner alone. He goes to movies alone. He goes to the park alone. He goes grocery shopping alone. This is the fruit 10, 20 years later. All of these things he went into were attempts at gain. These were attempts at trying to add something to his life, but it led to great destruction. It led to great loss. This didn't happen overnight. He was on a path. He was on a pathway. And so some of you right now, all you see is the gain. You don't see the loss. You don't see the loss that happens 10, 20 years from now. All you see is the gain. Look at verse 20. It says, wisdom shouts in the streets. She cries out in, public, in the public square. She calls to the crowds along the main street, to those gathered in front of the city gate. How long, you simpletons, will you insist on being simple-minded? How long will you mockers relish your mocking? How long will you fools hate knowledge? In Proverbs, you're going to see wisdom personified as a woman shouting in the streets. You're going to see Foolishness, Lady Folly, personified as a person. You'll see Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. That's how Scripture will talk about these two different pathways you can take. Look at verse 23. Come and listen to my counsel. I'll share my heart with you and make you wise. I called you so often, but you wouldn't come. I reached out to you, but you paid no attention. You ignored my advice and rejected the correction I offered. So I will laugh 
when you are in trouble. I will mock you when disaster overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster engulfs you like a cyclone, and anguish and distress overwhelm you. When they cry for help, I will not answer. Though they anxiously search for me, they will not find me. For they hated knowledge and chose not to fear the Lord. They rejected my advice and paid no attention when I corrected them. Therefore, they must eat the bitter fruit of living their own way, choking on their own schemes. For simpletons turn away from me to death. Fools are destroyed by their own complacency. But all who listen to me will live in peace, untroubled by fear of harm. This whole section, this is God's grace. This is God coming in and, 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 and someone, every single person in this room, if you're making some horrible decisions that are not based in the fear of God right now, God has placed people in your life, whether it be parents or pastors, friends that are wise and God-fearing people. God's placed those people in your life as an act of his grace to call out to you and to say, no, where are you heading? What are you doing? Where are you going? That is an act of God's grace. And if you roll your eyes at that, you are rejecting the very grace of God in your life. You are rejecting those instruments and tools of grace. And in this passage, Solomon shows us there are three kinds of sinners that I want you to focus on throughout the whole book of Proverbs. The first one is this. It's the simple. This person is the kind of person who believes anything, and they examine nothing, okay? If I can give you an example of this kind of person, this would be the girl who just believes everything a guy ever says to her, okay? She just wants to trust everybody, think the best about everybody. She is simple-minded, and she's naive, she's gullible, and this person believes anything that people tell her, and they examine nothing with wisdom. The second person is the mocker. This is the person who just makes fun of everything. This is the person who thinks they know everything. They just look at everything with a sneer, like, oh, well, that's just stupid. You don't know what you're talking about. They think they know everything about everybody, everything about everything. This is the mocker. Then lastly, we have the fool. This is the person who just lacks spiritual desire. This is the person that sits back in their chair and just kind of just like, whatever. I don't care. Whatever. This is, I'm not calling you a fool. God is, okay? So let's just make that clear. This is the fool. And so the question is, which, which one of these do you lean towards? Which one of these are you as you look at this? And before we go to discussion questions, I want to ask you this one question. Right now, there is someone trying to speak great wisdom into your life, rooted in the fear of the Lord, and you're rejecting it. You're, you're turning your, you're rolling your eyes at it. What are the examples what instruments of grace are you rolling your eyes at? Are you turning your back on? And by you doing that, you are turning your back on the grace of God. What are those examples in your life? I want you guys to discuss 
Go ahead and discuss your last questions when you're done. Pray at your tables, and you'll be dismissed.